0: Every
1: time you do a trailer read, you have to be like, nope, this is how it's supposed to sound. If you don't like it, screw you, but this is what it
2: is. (laughs) Getting feedback from someone, choosing not to take it personally, is actually very freeing. And I find, for me, that I do the worst when I'm trying to give somebody what they want.
1: It's like the modern version of the the two people inside of a horse.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Times are changing. We want different voices. We want different races. We want more female voices. I think it's a beautiful thing. And there is something about the strength in numbers that has been really emboldening. Lying on the floor flopping around like a <laughs> like
0: a fish for 45 minutes. We work in
1: isolation booths. So if we, if we don't want to be isolated, we
0: should leave those booths. You never think, uh, I hope he asks me to be, hope he pitches me to whatever he's Like if you think that way, and you're just trying to use people.
1: Blah, 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 blah. Oh my god, that's him. Wow,
2: you
0: got the part. Hired on the spot.
1: Yeah. He pilots my meat suit. I've only heard really bad things about Jamie. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't it doesn't sense. You to watch though. <laughs> <stuff. laughs> Instead of trying to figure out how to get into it, I just brought a bunch of people together that none of us do in the industry.
0: Stop wiping expectations on any audition.
1: As soon as you
0: start telling stories and having actors touch people's heads and hearts with their performances, you're going to have people that are going to want to connect to the
1: people behind those voices. You're going to get a lot more no's than you get yes's, and I, that's true for me today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us for this first episode. For a while, I apologize for the delay. We have a little team who put this episode out now, which I will be introducing you to gradually over the course of the next few episodes. Um, we're not going to dive into that today because we have a lot to get through. And I actually have a guest host banterer, Corinne Guilfrey, which we're going to get to shortly. But today's episode is with Australian actor, brilliant actress, uh, Melanie Zanetti. She is very prolific in film and TV, but specifically as it relates to our interest, voiceover, she is lead in the show Bluey, the animated cartoon Bluey, um, which is taking the world by storm currently. If you have kids, you're probably aware of it already. And we talk about the transition from film and TV to voiceover, but primarily I wanted to speak to her because she wrote an amazing article for Backstage Magazine called A Year Without Booking Was the Best Thing to Happen to Melanie Zanetti. And it's all about a year where she was on hold and almost booked a bunch of really great projects and ultimately didn't book them, which is psychologically torturous because you're dangling on a string. It's just maddening to live in that unknown world. So um, we talk about that in great detail. Definitely check out the article. Um, we do talk about a lot of the themes in that and expand upon what she wrote. So very happy and thankful that Melanie spoke to us today. If you're interested in following her, which you absolutely should, she is on Instagram, Melanie Zanetti, Zanetti spelt Z or Z. <laughs> A-N-E-T-T-I. All one word, Melanie Zanetti. And uh, obviously check her out on IMDb as well. And yeah, I am going to hand just me over to me and Karin, <laughs> myself and Karin, as we talk about eVocation now. Okay, I am joined by my good friend Karin Guilfrey and fellow co-chair of Vocation Conference, or as we're calling it this year, eVocation. Hello.
2: Hello, I'm so happy to be here and so excited for the conference.
1: I know. Um, Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, well, I'm a voice actor. I live in Southern California. Um, And uh, the reason why we decided to do vocation is because Jamie and I realized that there were so many questions and just a lack of information about all of the stuff outside of voice acting. So Mm. all of the business stuff. Uh, You know, how to find work, how to negotiate contracts, knowing your worth and rates, and just all kinds of all the other stuff, recording, all the other stuff that isn't acting. So, we wanted to put together a weekend of classes just dedicated to that. And that's what the Vocation Conference started as in person in 2019. And we've done it online now two years in a row.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is the stuff that you spend your days doing as a voice actor. You know, we're in the booth for a certain percentage of the time but the vast majority of our time is spent building and growing our business so it makes sense for us to really spend time on that so what are some of the panels that we have this year
2: we have a corporate narration panel which i think is going to be really awesome we have a working prose panel which is sponsored by voice123.com We have David Toback coming to talk about rates. We have Alyssa Zia coming to talk about taxes. We have Maria Pendolino doing a mystery class, which is (laughs) going to be fun. We have a demo producers panel. Tom Deere, the VO strategist, will be there.
1: Direct marketing. That's a big one, right? Yeah,
2: direct marketing is going to be a big theme for this year's conference. It's just a lot of cool information that will be presented in a short amount of time.
1: Yeah, the big theme is finding your own work as a voice talent and growing your own your own career not waiting for gatekeepers to welcome you in all the things that you can do to grow your career whether you're starting out whether you're in a, a few years in or whether you're you know a full pro all of that stuff needs working on all of the time so there's a lot of lot of information that's going to be applicable for different people at different stages of their career we've also got a party on the Friday do you want to talk about that (laughs) the exciting plans we we have have
2: for that so the party will consist of a a wonderful um, keynote speech by Mara Juno awesome voice actor Mm. um, a cocktail making lesson plus drinking your own cocktails at home (laughs) with the baritone bartender Rod Guilfrey who also happens to be my my dad and the headliner of our opening night party is who is it Jamie
1: it's Gilbert Gottfried (laughs)
2: for real what
1: no it's joke gilbert Gottfried, yeah <laughs> the guy with the voice
2: legend we're saying if you have small children maybe watch that comedy set with headphones on because gilbert yes. godfrey tends to not be very g-rated <laughs> <No>. <laughs> despite his his uh, appearance in famous ch- children's movies such as aladdin <laughs>
1: yeah
2: this is not a g-rated performance
1: we're hoping he skews Aladdin <laughs> maybe a little bit just to not offend too many people. I don't mind. I don't mind close to I the knuckle mind. comedy. Um, but yeah, we don't want to upset too many people. So, But, but no, I think he's no. going to be great. He's going to be hilarious.
2: Another really cool thing. Um, we, we have some great sponsors this year. JMC Demos is sponsoring the conference. Lotus Productions and also Voice123. And Voice123 has offered a 20% discount on all premium memberships to the people who attend our conference. So that is a huge, huge thing. We're very excited about that. Um, whether you're joining the site for the first time or you already have a membership on the site, you will get 20% off your premium membership. So, yeah. big deal.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty good value if we do say so ourselves. Um, I think you so. Know, particularly one of the more premium memberships you'll actually... Pay for your conference ticket with that, I think, yeah. the saving.
2: Uh, when are the conference dates and where can people find more information?
1: The conference is going to be held June 11th to the 13th. And you can go to vocationconference.com for tickets and to find out all of the information about the conference, who's speaking, all the panels and all the other fun stuff that we've been talking about. And also definitely join our Vocation VoiceOver Facebook group. Um, We post a lot of our updates there and um, there's a really nice growing community there as well. If you want to just shoot the breeze, talk about voiceover, ask any questions.
2: You'll also get a physical swag bag in the mail Hmm. full of really cool conference stuff. And if you register for your conference ticket before June 1st, you will get your swag bag in the mail before the conference, which is kind of fun because there are cool participation things in the bag for the conference so I think I think you'll you'll like it
1: yeah how exciting
2: very exciting June 11th through the 13th vocationconference.com
0: the national zoo (laughs) because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama
1: Instagram Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today.
0: Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the
2: droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank.
1: Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. All right, so... Hello, Hi. <laughs> thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks for having <laughs> um, me.
1: We are all about voiceover in this podcast, but a lot of our listeners are film and TV actors as well and theatre actors as too, so uh, we run the full gamut here. So we want to dive into uh, all of the process stuff and your experience in, in acting in general. Um, but really what really resonated with me was your article in Backstage, which we're going to dive into. But... Before we get there, why don't we talk about how you got into acting in the first place, because your article touches on that, um, and then we'll go on from there.
0: Right. So um, as I I wrote in the backstage article, I wasn't going to do acting. I thought, you know, even though I loved it, I was like, that's for incredibly beautiful and pretty deluded people. And I'm neither (laughs) of those things. So I'm going to go and get a, a proper degree, which was sort of a arts journalism business hybrid, which I just was soul destroying. And um, I deferred from that. And after that, my parents sat me down and said, look, you've always loved this. You can do anything later. You can go back to this degree if you want. You should try this now. And I said that was incredibly impractical. And I had a big cry. And then I went off and did it. Um, so that's sort of my my entry point. And then I started with a lot of theatre. The course I did was a Bachelor of Theatre Arts, so very theatre-focused um, for quite a number of years, um, both you know, big classics like uh, Pygmalion and Romeo and Juliet and things like that, and then a lot of modern work as well. And then um, I had to start saying no to theatre because it takes such big chunks of time and I was starting to transition into doing more film and TV work. Um, and then... Um, the voiceover stuff came a bit later in my article I mentioned that because I had this year where i was I was on hold for half the year, all these amazing projects that I came second and didn't get any of them. <laughs> and it was because of that that I started investing time in voiceovers, um, a few other things, but voiceovers were one of the big things. And um, it does, I don't know what everyone else's experience. Is in this realm, but for me, I feel like it needs a really concentrated amount of time because it feels like it's um, it's hard to get into. Once you're in, like particularly with commercials and things like that, and they like you and they know you're you're on it and you're quick, they'll call you back in continually. But getting into that little bubble of people um, can be really hard. So it was a couple of years that I slowly built up work until I was someone that people called in really regularly. Then the uh, animation voiceover work that I do, that happened really organically. i um I was using someone's studio to do some really very boring voiceover, some online tutorial video. Uh, and uh, he was like, "You've got a great voice. My brother's making this cartoon. It's already cast." But if you want to check some demos down, you know we might have another character if it if it goes. And um, then the uh, the network who was uh, pitching it, they were not sure about the mum's voice. They wanted other options, and they're like, "Do you mind if we use it for the?" Um, I think it was the Asia Pacific Cartoon Convention. And I was like, "I'd already I'd already seen the animatronics, and I'd fallen in love with this cartoon." So I was like, "Yes, anything you want." Um, and then they uh, then they auditioned for that role for 3 months and they came back to me and said no actually you're right you were perfect all along so that's uh that's how that happened
1: that's amazing and that's bluey right that's that's bluey there. yeah yeah i watched a bit of it in preparation for this and it was interesting because it's got quite a naturalistic style in a way hasn't Absolutely. it the it's not wacky cartoon style it's quite natural in the
0: performance yeah style. yeah they really it's everyone's just their natural voice my my voice is, um I sort of lean into the Australian a little more I've got a pretty neutral tone um so it's a little bit more I'm a mum and Australian um but the shows yeah, it's really it's gorgeously written it's done really well it's um the most popular show in Australia out of. All shows, even though it's just for preschoolers right now. Wow! Um, and it's it's was picked up by Disney Plus, and uh, it's won an Emmy and lots of other awards. And it's I think um, the appeal is that it's so true to life. Um, a lot of you know, so many parents say, "I feel so seen," and very very funny. And the voices of the younger The puppy characters are played by actual kids, which makes them adorable and hilarious. Um, But also it's just it's very centred around creative play. And I think the representation of parents in this cartoon, I haven't seen anything like it anywhere. It's um, it's really beautiful. They're very engaged. They're happy to admit they're wrong and be fallible. It's um, yeah, it's, it's really special that way.
1: I don't have kids myself, but I should imagine hitting the sweet spot of being entertaining to a parent and a child is ideal (laughs) if you've got to watch these things. Absolutely.
0: I think that is, (laughs) if you're going to have something on repeat all day, um, it's got to be something that parents enjoy as well. Like there's lots of parents who have said, I think I like this better than my kids do. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, that's always And they're
1: the ones with the remote control at the end of the day, right? Totally. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. From a practical standpoint, with the kids voicing the kids' characters, are these kids being replaced through the seasons as they grow up or is it the Um, same kids?
0: Not yet. That's actually um, something we're hitting with this season. Um, With Will this be the last season in this form? Um, Will they replace them? I think... I think that's really tricky. Joe, who makes the show, he's incredible and he's incredible with working with kids and getting them to be themselves is, is kind of amazing. And I think the real beauty of the show is um, how authentic it is because of their voices. So that's something that's being uh, grappled with at the moment for sure.
1: What was your... Um transition like from your you know most of your work up until this point has been film and tv right and theater yeah yeah Um, so this is relatively new for you presumably you've done bits and pieces of voiceover before but what was that transition like did it feel like a natural thing to flow one into the other
0: honestly it felt really natural it all Mm. um it felt very organic i would say that the commercial side of it which you know was the real bread and butter side of (laughs) voiceover work not the fun cartoon side. That there was there was elements of of that that felt okay, I I'm really learning a skill in being able to feel, you know, what your 15 and your 30 seconds are, what tonally I I, like, I don't listen to radio, but I started listening to a lot of radio just to go, what are the the sounds that they're looking for, um, and TV ads. And and what's really lovely is the way I feel like, look in in Australia particularly, there is sort of a, a heading for wanting a more genuine, authentic sound rather than the hard sell. Like the hard sell is still out there, but that's uh, that's not really my sound, and I I, I yeah. like that that hasn't really been where I've been placed. Like for me, I did uh, this about five year contract with uh, an early learning facility and they, it was like very soft, very warm, very welcoming or like I'm a university student and I don't know what I want to do. That kind of, that kind yeah. of world yeah. is, is sort of where I was sitting. But yeah, that, there was definitely some skill building. But I think when you, you have a, uh, particularly as an actor, when you spent so many years working on the instrument that is your voice and how to position it, you sort of set up. In some ways, pretty well. I, I think there are people I know who who aren't actors who are just all they do is voiceover, and they they're just they're so on it, they're so down. They know yeah. they they know exactly where they're coming in. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a great it's a great other string to the bow. So
1: when you're doing those commercials, um, are you playing yourself? Are you playing a character? Are you using yourself and then bringing some of those character elements in?
0: which I guess it it depends on the needs of the what they're selling, I guess yeah. or wanting to promote, but I think you always start with you. I think that's yeah. the place that people can connect with you on I think going now i'm I'm the voice of this blah, 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 blah. i think I think people innately can smell bullcrap um yeah. I think. As humans, we, we have a, a pretty strong radar for that. So I think, especially if you're, you're informing, like I, I, there's a number of government ads and stuff that isn't really selling things. It's more uh, road safety and things like that. People need to feel like you're one of them. You're not talking at them. You're with them. Um, yeah. So I think starting from you is always the best genesis.
1: I think that natural authentic conversational read is popular everywhere now actually yeah, particularly with covid right the uh, you want to, wanting to be reassured by someone real not just a fake sales voice um,
0: absolutely
1: a lot of my friends who are doing commercials right now that that is their bread and butter particularly actually a female voice feels more protective and nurturing and prote- <laughs> you know like you trust do you trust a female voice more that's for some really reason that's
0: really interesting
1: yeah we're noticing all the time now that Female voices are becoming much more prevalent, which is great. Um, Were you recording this from home? Were you going into studios over the past year? Um, I know Australia's
0: been—it's all in in studios. So I've I've recorded this cartoon in uh, Upstate New York, in LA, in Atlanta, in Italy, Um, and that's one of the wonderful things about doing voiceover work—is you can do it anywhere in the world, uh, which is really. Magic, um and sometimes you know, and i've got like a little travel set up when I need it, um, nothing very advanced, but occasionally there's uh I feel like as things progress um, and technology gets better and better, so much stuff people are able to record on their phone depending on on what it is, um especially if it's you know supposed to be a phone call or Um, I did a there's a film that's out um, on Netflix ever except America weirdly I think Apple owns the rights in America called Love and Monsters and I play a robot in that yeah which is really fun Uh, but some of the like they needed a couple of lines and I was shooting in the middle of shooting something else and and I just did it on my phone and I saw the film and I was like that that looks great it sounds just like everything else so I think the technology just keeps getting better and better
1: yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and expectations have shifted a little bit from the engineering side too. I mean, everyone's just trying to like make do with what, yeah, whatever's available right totally. now. particularly. Yeah. <laughs> did you have any coaching when you transitioned into vo- the voiceover world or did you just take what you already knew?
0: Um, I... I have a friend, and she's just an absolute voice of a gun. And she was very generous and gave me a whole stack of scripts, old like uh, commercial scripts, and took me through a few techniques that she used. And she's like, listen to the radio, practice, time yourself, practice timing, practice uh, being clear, clear where your breathing is. And just her advice was just be so ready and open for whatever direction and feedback uh you get and if you're lucky it will just be the agency but if the client's there then you know that'll be what it'll be as well and you'll do your first take and then you'll do 20 more and then they'll listen back and they'll be like oh that one's good and it'll be your first one but always (laughs) always right (laughs) (laughs) but you still need to be able to you know do the other 20 takes and and take the direction uh, so, it was all excellent advice. So, yeah, I did, did have someone who was very seasoned uh, give me a, um, an hour of her time and a whole heap of scripts to practice on, which I would um, recommend listening to the radio and television ads, as painful as that may be sometimes, because um, it's very, very useful.
1: Well, over here, there's a website called iSpot.tv. I don't know if you're aware of it, but no. it's got all of the TV ads currently airing and have wow. aired forever so yeah you can just search by category as well you can search by brand and it's super easy to find
0: that's amazing and it's it, it sort of feels bizarre these days with all these streaming platforms when you start watching ads like what are, what are these i guess um i guess they're popping up on online as well so much more than just television so
1: oh yeah it's the wild west right absolutely now. <laughs> <laughs> um how do you incorporate Australian? do you market yourself as an Australian talent or do you do American too? If you're working over here, um, you, I, yeah. I do do
0: American too. It's, it, it was tricky. You know, I'm, I'm back and forth a lot. And, uh, with my American voiceover agent up until this point, it was very, uh, sort of, we want you to be in the country, but I think with mm. COVID that's all changing and, um, yeah where where people are happy for you to be is moving because everyone's had to had to change the way that they live and work, um which I think is great for people uh, within this world.
1: yeah, I get a lot of specs that say British or Australian. You know, so we are, tend to get lumped in together. Oh, yes,
0: because it's exactly the same sound. <laughs> I know. You
1: know. It doesn't uh, matter. You know, British, Australian, whatever. Sure. Uh, what do you guys <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> the voiceover business is more than just acting, it's a business. Voice actors are auditioning, negotiating, engineering, branding, connecting to sessions from home, and doing thousands of things every day to put them in the best position to succeed. So how do you learn about the business of the voiceover business? That part is easy. The Vocation Conference Online, eVocation. June 11th through the 13th, join experts in the voiceover industry for classes, talks, panels, and forums on the business of the business. For more information and tickets, visit vocationconference.com.
1: I do want to dive into some of the themes you explored in your article. Um, and let me give the title of the article so people can find it. It was called A Year Without Booking Was the Best Thing That Ever Happened to Melanie Zanetti. And you can find that on backstage and I'll link it in on social media and stuff. A couple of things jumped out to me. Firstly, when you mentioned that it took your parents to convince you that acting was something you should be pursuing, suggested to me, and, and I might be wrong, but it suggested to me that you have quite a practical type A side to your personality, that... You like preparing and doing, you know, knowing certain things for sure, and I definitely relate to that. Um, And the act, the unknown of acting, and the seeming randomness of acting was just both probably something you we should pursue because of that side of our personality, but also it's terrifying. Absolutely. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that was the thing you just said.
1: It's strange because usually it's our parents that discourage us from the know, risky right? stuff, right? But, <laughs> but they were the ones that convinced you. I thought that was fascinating.
0: Yeah, I think yes. Like I said, everything you just said the the not knowing and wanting to be able to, like you know, hold onto that illusion of control uh, is something that I find very seductive. Like I'm, I'm a very risk averse person. I do mm. so much dragging myself, kicking and screaming because I know that's where, you know, the exciting stuff happens and that's where the growth happens. But that's not my natural inclination. I'm not someone who's like, yeah, let's dive in and try all the new things. No, not at all.
1: Because I find that actors are generally like that. In my experience, like particularly film and TV actors, they're like, yeah, get on a horse with a gun, like riding through a flaming thing. Like, sure, let's do it. (laughs) Um,
0: But in terms of like personal growth it was probably one of the best things I could do because you like you can't be good at it and be trying to control everything it's such a practice um at being present moment to moment which I think you know we could we can all use as just humans living in the world but for my personality particularly it's been it's been really uh useful and humbling and you know yeah. all the things
1: let's talk about the audition process it's kind of a intimidating idea that you'll go into a room and perform for a job right and if you are a type a person when i whenever i've done it it's i've always overprepared put a huge amount of pressure on myself and i can't just relax into a role that someone can just swan in, they like they've barely looked at the script and they just deliver and look like they're so much better, right? So was the was oh, that one of the reasons why at yeah. the
0: beginning that was totally like you you're singing my song. So for me it was about having to prepare and then let it all go. Also mm. realizing that you're going into a room to collaborate with the group of people there. I think there's, you know, Auditioning can be seen as a sort of hierarchy thing, that they're up here and you're down here. But I think when you can approach it going, I'm an artist who's come to, who has like five to ten minutes where I'm going to do the thing I love and we're going to see if, you know, uh, what we can create in this time together and then you leave it, realising that so acting, your job is auditioning and working out how to... Learn how to enjoy that is is such an important part of it, and also remembering they want you to do well. If you are mm. good, it makes their job so much easier. So realizing that you you walk, even if the room doesn't feel particularly warm, you are walking into a room where they do they they want you to knock it out of the park.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I keep hearing that, and I'm, I've heard countless times from casting people that. They kind of know almost the moment you walk in the door. Absolutely. So it's, it's not like you can convince them otherwise. No. You might as well just do your thing without that feeling of like, I have to like force this on anyone.
0: Well, that's the thing as well. Like you know, and I've occasionally um, been on the, you know, the other side of the table helping out with auditions, and you do know. You, you pretty much know as soon as someone walks in, you know within the five, first five seconds of them speaking, it's wild how clear it is. But the thing someone can do, even if they're like totally wrong for the role, if they come in, make strong choices, do the best them that's possible, the casting may still go, oh, she's completely wrong, but wow, that was interesting and where can we put her or let's bring her back in again or yeah. I've got this other project, you know. So you're always better off doing uh, like a first rate you with your choices rather than trying to fill a, a breakdown or a brief that is just you're never gonna gonna do it justice. You may as well just you know make your choices and and be a, be alive in yourself.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned earlier you were saying that. People, listeners, casting directors, audience can smell bullshit. So, oh yeah, if you're not there fully, there wherever there is, it comes across, right? I mean, completely. Yeah, um, I think you said in your article, I, I, I've got some quotes. <laughs> <laughs> when you let go of trying to control outcomes, you take the blinkers off. The tunnel vision turns panoramic, and you stop paradoxical intention in its tracks. So, what do you mean by paradoxical intention?
0: Well, I mean that all the energy goes into wanting to get the role rather than the energy going into the needs of the character. So Mm. I had, you know, a, a wonderful teacher once say, the needs of the character always have to be stronger than your desire for the role. So it's that, you know... I'm not sure who who said it but it was um there's a monk and and he's they're watching this archer and he's trying to hit the target and he keeps missing and the monk says it's his desire to hit the target that's it's all going into I want this to win mm-hmm. rather than it going into the focus on his craft and what he's doing and being in the moment. So it takes you outside the moment. That's why what I mean by paradoxical intention.
1: Right. I mean, you mentioned it before, and it's almost a bit of a cliche that the job is to audition, right? And that's what yeah. you mean, like that you're doing the job when you go in. Exactly. That is the moment. Yeah.
0: And that's so hard to get your head around when, you know, let's face it, your desire to be able to work and do the thing that you love is so huge but you have to mitigate that with what you're actually doing in this moment once again it's coming back to the present moment and going I'm here now and right now I get to do what I love in this setting
1: yeah Um, and then when you leave the audition room you mentioned that you were sort of on hold for a bunch of stuff. It can feel like a torture sometimes when your agents is like agents like they loved you, you know. They they're sort of keeping. You almost don't want to hear anything, right? You don't it's want to know absolutely any
0: absolutely torturous. So <laughs> yeah. much of it, your energy has to go into letting it go if it's not yours that there's nothing you can do now. You can't will this into being. And as soon, I think I wrote this, as soon as I feel that like desperate feeling, what I'm actually feeling is the knowing that the role's not mine. Yeah. Like you, you, it's, it's like you can feel it m- like like disappear. Whereas when I kind of know that it's it's actually a real possibility, there's, there's space around it. I don't know how else to describe it. It's like, Okay, this is this is actually in the flow of where where I'm headed, but there's so much trust that has to happen in that. Like, it's huge and so much like letting go of stuff that you can't control. Because like as we know, you you could actually go in and do the best audition that they've seen that day, but you look wrong. You look too like someone else who's already cast. Um, yeah. You're way too short for the person you're going to be playing opposite you know there's just so many things that you can't control yeah. uh, so you know focus on what you can
1: well that's sort of the beauty of voiceover we don't have any there's no physical consideration in what we, we do as voice Isn't actors. It
0: wonderful yeah i found I it really freeing <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I never thought of myself as doing any kind of on-camera stuff. So, you know, the closest I've ever come is mocap. Um, but yeah, to have to physically worry about what I look like and, and I'm just a dude, right? It's even harder <laughs> for women. But, you know, that that seems like a whole extra layer of bullshit that you have to overcome just before uh-huh. you've even stepped in the room, right?
0: Exactly. And, you know, you don't want your attention to be, you know, you don't want to be in the waiting room. And then you're like, oh, great. There's 10 other people who look just like me, but they're hotter. Like, you know, you don't want your energy, which should be focused on the wants and needs of your character to be like bleeding out into these other things. But it's, it's really hard. And it's really hard, you know, I think particularly for women, but also for men because you are getting compared to other people um in a way that you know i guess there's always comparison in the world but in a in a very clear obvious way that a lot of other people don't have to deal with on the daily so that's you know that's something that psychological like there's a lot of psychological strength i think that is involved in being in this profession
1: yeah so talk to us about that what process that initiated, that year of you almost getting a bunch of stuff and then you talk about it like that was quite a pivotal year for you and it changed you in a way. So was that initiated by you or was that just an inevitability of that thing happening? And if so, if that was intentional, what were those processes that led to the change in your focus?
0: Well, I think, um, I think there was two paths that could be taken in a year where you know, you come very close, but no dice. Um, You either go, oh, this is so frustrating. I'm never going to get there. This isn't for me. Or you go, okay, this is telling me the work is there. I just wasn't right for these projects. And whilst I'm on hold, what other skills can I be building? And that's when I started working on the voiceovers and also teaching. And, And it also, it was a real year of building resilience it was like okay is this what you are going to be doing for the for the rest of your life in in some form or within this industry in some form and it was a in the end it was a really doubling down year and commitment to you have to ask what's really important and if you know for me it was you know I love telling stories I love the performing aspect of it but also yeah seeing the parts of it that are greater than yourself and going, okay, if I want to be able to sustain myself in this world, what are the other strengths to my bow that I can mm. uh, have if I end up coming second for a year?
1: Yeah, so if someone's listening right now and they've they 're in a bit of a rut, maybe they haven't booked for a while, do you have any advice that you could offer them, like how they could reengage with that um, enthusiasm again?
0: I think making sh- even if other people aren't picking you. You need to keep picking you, and there's lots of ways to do that. Being in class, I find it really helpful, so that even if you're not booking things, you're constantly uh, working on your craft. Being in one that you feel like really feeds you, and you feel like you get a lot out of it. Um, there's a studio called BGB Studio that I, when I'm in LA, I go to. Or there, they've been. On Zoom over COVID, and they're just wonderful. The, the class I'm in is a just for working actors to to keep everything sharp. Um, making your own work if that's something that interests you, so that you can choose what kind of roles you're playing, and you're not stuck within the pigeonholes of how someone else sees you. And doing things that make you happy and fill you up, because you know you can. We can get. As actors and artists, really tunnel vision, going I have to focus everything on this thing. But to be good at what we do, living full and happy lives—necessarily um, even happy—but but feel like we're having experiences that are, are filling us up, that can be you know drawn on later—is also really useful. So yeah, get into the the mindset that. There are so many ways to be working, even if you're not being picked in this moment. And maybe you'll end up working in a way that, you know, suddenly they come to you. Because um, I feel like with streaming platforms and things like that, we don't have quite the same gatekeepers as we used to. I know a a few people whose web series have been turned into TV series. There seems like there's, there's a little more wiggle room in a way there wasn't before. So I think that's really exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And particularly in voiceover, a lot of work, if you're a professional voice actor and pretty much that's all you do, mm-hmm. a lot of your day-to-day is to do with finding work and getting work and things like that rather than just doing the work. So have you taken on any of that responsibility rather than the film and TV stuff of where it generally comes through agents and casting directors, right? Um,
0: to be honest, um, the voiceover, it, it was initially through your agent but a lot of that also then becomes relationship building like yeah. I had a few you know people at agencies even when with when they've moved have kept calling me in because we just really get on as people as well like those relationships uh, are so important that you're you're building that people feel like you're a, you're a human being that they want to spend time with as well because yeah. you know they're they're creating the circle of people they're working with. And there's also been a few things that like I've been called in for, for favors for, and when it's something I really care about, one was a, for muscular dystrophy, which I did for free. And I see, and a a few other different charities um, that I go, okay, I might not be in a financial position to give to all these things, but this is a way that I can really give uh, with the skills that I have. And they're also relationships I'm making because those people have always called me back in. So, yeah, just being savvy about the relationships you're building, which just means be yourself, be genuine, be on time, be uh, really prepared, be open and thankful and all of those things. Because it really does matter in terms of people bringing you back in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Um what about your relationship with your representation? Did that change or did you get new representation for voiceover? Did you have to work with a different department within your agency? Did you have to tell them you wanted to make a shift? How did, how did that change?
0: That, that um, worked within a different department within my agency and then my US rep set me up with a few meetings with different voiceover people and I chose the one that I liked the most So, yeah, that kind of just happened once again. I know I keep using this word, but really organically, and that's when I feel like things when I'm not, I can always feel when I'm like, when I'm I'm pushing things uphill and I'm like hitting my head against walls that I'm like, is Mm. this the direction I should be heading or is the universe trying to tell me that maybe there's some redirection that needs happening? But, yeah, all of that happened Quite seamlessly, and um, they were really supportive of me getting into voiceover world because of course that's helpful for them.
1: yeah, all right, that's great. Um, I'm going to steal this this question from this other podcast in the envelope if anyone's listening, you should check it out. We always ask at the end of the interview if there are any performances that inspired you over the course of the last year or so? Did anything that you've seen or watched or heard has anything inspired you particularly in your work?
0: I don't know if how it relates to my own work, but I think last year was a year of watching a, quite a bit of stuff <laughs> because yeah. of the, the nature of where the world was at. And one of the people who just blew me away was Michaela Cole. Oh, yeah. Um, and with her work particularly in I May Destroy You, just absolute powerhouse. I was just like... Wow, she was incredible. I really enjoyed "Promising Young Woman" um, as as a, a piece of work, Carrie Mulligan's work. But the the thing in totality, I, I was totally shook after it. And those those two uh, series, film, and performances it just you know when they sort of haunt you for mm. a while. That's what I know. There's been something that's that's really hit me and, and stuck. Yeah, I, like, I must have, I'm sure there's heaps of things, but they're the two that yeah. are really coming to mind right now.
1: I know, it's like your mind goes blank at that moment, right?
0: <laughs> I know, it does, and seen, I'm like, same, I know same. I've watched more stuff in a year last year than I watched yeah. ever. Yes. Um, yeah. I've actually, I actually i am not watching anything at the moment, and I think, I think my body's just like, I'm, I've got to separate myself from that a little bit. I've just read an incredible autobiography, though, called Educated. If anyone wants a great book, incredible. Um, Tara Westover, she was in this, like, Mm. really fundamentalist Mormon family who were, like, different from other Mormons. They were, like, preparing for the end of the world on a hill, very isolated, don't believe in doctors or education or you know like and it was her sort of journey through that it's incredible if anyone wants a good read
1: wow okay that's cool
0: it'll be a film i'm sure
1: yeah are you filming right now something or
0: um i'm about to go into filming um it's a romance novel that's a trilogy that's being changed into films um so i'm doing that and i'm also recording bluey at the moment that's sort of a ongoing uh voice recording right now
1: how do you find balancing your onset ex- work with your in studio voiceover work? Is uh, Bluey fairly flexible? They're awesome. That?
0: They're really flexible. They work around my schedule and my position in the world um, always. No, they're really cool. So I, I don't know what it's like on, on everything, but the things where I've done character work um, and even other voiceover work, I found people to be super flexible. I was I was out of Australia for enough time that one of my long term campaigns went okay. I think I think we need someone that we can have in, in the country, which I get. Um, but f- for the most part, I found people have been really really flexible, which has been lovely.
1: Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, I'm going to finish up with another stolen question from the other podcast, <laughs> which is, do you have any advice that you would? have given yourself at a younger age that may apply to people who are just coming up now that you wish you would have sort of taken when you were younger? I know Uh you dived in maybe a little later than maybe ideal into acting, maybe something like that or, you know, anything that comes to mind.
0: Um, Stop caring what people think about you because most of the time no one's thinking about you. We're all just dealing with our own stuff we <laughs>
2: stitch the truth
0: yeah. and um nothing is ever lost even times where you know you you don't it's all cumulative even times when you can't work and I went through a period of you know, a lot of illness where I couldn't work for a year and that was really like heartbreaking and really hard um but there's there's so much stuff I gained from that in terms of like knowing where to put my energy and patience and building resilience as a person. So just knowing nothing is ever lost. Stop caring about what people think about you and um, just didn't enjoy it more. You've got one life. That's it. Like what you're doing now, like there, there's no, there's no rehearsal. I was actually in another podcast and one quote that Returns to me a lot is um, hell is getting to the end of your life and meeting the person you could have been, mm. and yeah, it, it's one of those you know terrifying memento mori <laughs> things that you yeah. know one day you will die, and you know as as terrifying as that is, it's it is good to keep that in mind going. This is it. Like you don't want to, you don't want to get the end and go. Oh, all the things I could have done and could have been and could have tried if I wasn't so terrified or constrained by what others or society would think of me. So that I wish I had got there a bit quicker, and um, and also just backing myself. You know, struggled with perfectionism <laughs> um, a lot, and just going, things don't, you know, don't let perfection be the enemy of good because getting something done that's half decent is way better than doing nothing because you're scared of it not being perfect
1: oh yeah that resonates deeply (laughs) with me personally too (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) wow well that's great that's great acting advice that's great life advice (laughs) you know it doubles up well thank you so much that was there was so much really applicable information and advice in there. It's not just general. It really does apply to acting and, and also to life too so really appreciate it. Awesome.
0: Thanks so much
1: for having me. The VO School podcast was produced by Heather Lynn Watt, Joan Gavino, Lisa Leonard, Gina Scarpa, Femi London, Tiffany Van Landingham, Diane Richmond-Knox, Zach Alleman and myself, Jamie Offit. Special thanks to Patreon super member Angus McLeod and our sponsors JMC Demos and Backstage Magazine. We'll see you next time.